0: Hello and welcome to episode 156 of What Most People Think, and you'll be very relieved to know that my my tooth is, is back to normal. After I, I just I, I was a bit dramatic about it. Um, I did think that nothing would ever be the same again. I thought I would never know no comfort. I'd never be able to chew a Big Mac with confidence. But here we are, a, a week later, and the, the swelling's gone down. Thank, thank you, medicine. Trust the science. Although, I would say that the antibiotics they prescribed me was a combination of amoxicillin and something called metrodisanol, which you cannot drink alcohol on. And actually, furthermore, it's the same thing that they give alcoholics to try and get them off the piss because it makes you feel physically sick. Now, did I try to drink alcohol yeah of course i did and it turns out that i trust the science on that as well because i felt absolutely fucking disgusting anyway joining us today uh, on the show making his third appearance and co-hosting now is uh, my friend and the brilliant comedian ian stone ian welcome back to the show Kef,
1: nice to speak to you. We did discuss your tooth at length at the weekend, didn't we? And in fact, the weekend before that. As I, know,
0: well. I, I know, I know. I talk a lot about tooth stuff. Uh, when I spoke to you, I was just coming back from having done a, a set at the Latitude Festival and um, and I was explaining to you how the discomfort and the pain was almost worth it because I felt like I had a new lease of life. I sort of was seeing seeing the blue in the sky, hearing the birds singing again, remembering what a gift it is just to live.
1: <laughs> well, that's one way of looking at it, I suppose. I I mean, it is. we discussed this and said it's such a tiny thing in your body. And if yeah. it goes wrong, you just go, oh, 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 I can't actually concentrate on anything else. Um, but you did the gig with toothache. I'm, I don't think I've ever done a gig with toothache. I'll be honest with you. Uh,
0: Oh, well, the problem is, is that you sort of—I mean, obviously—having distractions helps, and then having done the gig oh, effectively with toothgate, then you think, "Oh, am I just a little bitch that's just making up stuff, moaning, exaggerate, you know, being an absolute uh, drama queen?" But, but yes. the problem—the problem yes. was, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there's all of those. But um, is that the tooth was because there was a swelling; it had taken it. I'm still talking about my tooth, but it put it out of position, and so occasionally. <laughs> It banged together, and that. Oh
1: that. yeah, yeah, yeah! Just a little reminder. Still here, mate. Still here. I don't care if you're storming latitude.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I think storming latitude storming, might be yeah. oh, might sorry. be a strong way. I mean, just speak briefly about um, festivals. Like I, I don't get invited to do. Uh, many festival gigs go figure you know why why they don't really think uh, uh that's the first one i've ever done first of the major ones
1: oh right um, okay because there were some people at uh at glastonbury because as you know i went to glastonbury this year who yeah. would definitely their politics would be considered um <laughs> worse than yours
0: worse it? that's a subjective <laughs> term I've ever heard I know. more clear-headed some would say more pragmatic no, no even.
1: one when you know who I'm talking about, no one would say more clear-headed. No one at all. But there were Oh, I see. Oh, you mean
0: comedians? Oh, sorry, yes. you mean? Other... Oh, right, yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. probably no, can get exactly about who you mean. Andy
1: Burnham talking about the railways in the John <laughs> Peel tent with Billy Bragg. None of that. Not the John Peel tent. But anyway, uh, uh yeah. Is no, it the are... John
0: Peel tent anymore
1: after recent revelations? Are uh, they thinking of changing it? They're thinking of changing it to the Bill Wyman tent
0: <laughs> or the uh, Tim Westwood tent? Or you know, the Tim play, Westwood play, tent. Play, play tent. Play it, Ted. Play it safe.
1: Choose your own predator, (laughs)
0: allegedly. That is an ITV One game show that I don't think will ever really uh, take off. But you, you went to Glastonbury. You're a festival guy, um, and you do these things. I mean, you, 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 uh, you had a good week. You had a good weekend at Glastonbury, didn't you?
1: Well, let's just say we're recording this on on July the twenty sixth, and I've only been recovered about five or six days. I'll be totally honest with you. I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't just the overindulgence. It was the uh, I got a chest infection, and that's not yeah. great. But I think I got a chest infection on twelve hours sleep. And really, not looking after myself in the way a person pushing 60 should, but I love them, of course. I love them. I love the whole you know, I love all the live music. I love being with light minded, some would say, clear headed people. <laughs> no <laughs> one's clear headed at Glastonbury, actually. No well, one, at mind, all.
0: but yeah, it's inspirational, like you say. You push a your 60s, still, you're still getting stuck in. I mean, by my <laughs> reckoning, that gives me 15 more years at minimum.
1: <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people felt that way when they saw Keith Richards and they're no longer around. So I think people have to... I'm not, I'm not in any way likening myself to Keith Richard, <laughs> but I'm just saying he, he lost a lot of friends on the way who thought they could keep up with him and they couldn't. I think one has to go at one's own pace.
0: No, I hear that. I, hear, I don't know if that's quite a serious coded warning there, but I'm, I'm hearing it. And, you know, with my but hypochondria... Your teeth,
1: your teeth are falling apart already. That's
0: right? a that's a sign, isn't it? But, yeah, it's not because of crack or anything. It's it's. Uh, <laughs> okay, fair it's
1: Okay, a, it's
0: a short, sort of genetic thing that you both keep- my mum and dad...
1: You keep telling yourself
0: that. (laughs) We are. It's good to have you back on the show. One thing we do now is uh, one of our patrons, David Domain, he comes back to me on on several points from the last show in Domain Talking Point. And one of the things I discussed last week with Sean Walsh was about trains. Sean Walsh, Basically was asserting that trains are our thing, British, you know, that's our thing, Britain's thing. And even though other countries may do it a lot better now, when he sees trains elsewhere, he feels that that's instinctively British. I said that I think that the first trains were here. And David Domain did some research for us and he said the first proper railway line was opened in 1825 between Stockton-on-Tees and Darlington. It was built by George Stevenson, primarily to train... rocket... Is that what it was? Stevenson's rocket. That's exactly
1: what it was. And people died on the train or fainted because they they couldn't believe the speed the thing was moving, apparently. It was like 35 miles an hour, and they'd never moved. Humans had never moved that fast up to that point.
0: That still happens on Avanti West Coast when they get over 20 miles an hour, doesn't it? Eh? um the it was built by george St- and it was primarily to transport coal primarily and then in 1830 the first was the first passenger line in the uk and that was between manchester and liverpool so it's, it's good to know that even back then the cross rail links were actually way better than they are now they actually saw then that going from side to side was just as important as going up and down but we seem to have lost that along the way with trains
1: they're still using the same uh, rolling stock i believe actually uh yeah i mean if we're on because i was gonna do this because apparently you do a thank you and fuck you uh yes well okay i was gonna have i was gonna have a fuck you to gwr uh okay uh, well yeah let's do that earlier as it's on
0: topic no we can do that we talk about trains let's do it now
1: well it was only i listen they 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 did okay they got me i went from london to plymouth and back this weekend they don't serve snacks and that sorry they don't serve meals on a weekend did you know that they didn't serve meals on a weekend? So I. So think, I'm guessing
0: from that you were in first class. I did. I, <laughs> Hello.
1: Yeah, I was. Okay. I was a left-wing in first comic
0: class. on his way I, back from festivals, sitting there in first class.
1: I had to make do with a snack box and some weird biscuits. But what got me was the bloke who, who was serving. He said, "Any drinks or snacks?" And I said, "What have you got?" And he said, "Well, it depends what you want." And at that point, I really wished Mm. I'd had a long list of inappropriate snacks that I could have. (laughs) Have you got any (laughs) devilled eggs? Have you got any? No. (laughs) kedgery. Oh, you must have some kedgery. How about oxtail soup? Just so in the end he would go, no, we've got a snack box and that's it. Because that's all they had as well. It depends what you want. It doesn't depend what. Yeah,
0: wagyu beef, mate. 100... (laughs) And 50 grams of Wagyu beef, please.
1: Puffer fish. Have you got any puffer fish? I'd love some of that. They used to serve that on Virgin. Can't imagine. Don't do it on here. I just, it, it upset me, but I, I, uh, I, I think,
0: I mean, look, I, I travel on first in trains when I, when it, when it's reasonable. Cause, cause the thing is, I just, I don't know if it's class or your background. I feel like a serious big deal when that happens.
1: Yeah, of
0: course. And 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 actually, sometimes for quite a quite small price. But when they come around and go, would you like something to eat? I just feel like a sort of top one of Footsie One Hundred CEO. Is, <laughs> I've never, I mean, I never paid a ridiculous fucking price for for planes ever. Like like, no. just nah. it, no. It should, it can't be worth the differential. Well,
1: but, uh, well, a friend of mine flew to New Zealand first class, mm. and I met him in New Zealand. He did look a lot more well, sort of well rested. I would say. I said, How was the flight? He said, Well. I had a double bed, and I slept for, the, for most of the first one to Singapore, yeah. and then I got up and I had some food and wandered about the airport for a bit, and then got on the second plane and went back to bed. And but it was eighteen thousand pounds return, and I thought, well, I, I, you know, he's he's a very successful author and he's done okay, but it seems a little bit much. Whereas paying a twenty five pound upgrade, I'll do that. It'd be good to get twenty five pound upgrade on a flight to New Zealand. I would definitely do that as well.
0: A double bed, though.
1: Double bed. I'm, an actual, I'm in an actual double bed. Big video screen. He watched some films, had his had his tea in bed, and then went to sleep for eight hours. But then that's the point, isn't it? Landing.
0: What a waste to sleep. But then the ability to sleep is part of, you know, there's a bit of a paradox in there. I mean, one of the strange things about first class in the air is a lot of it comes down to quite like like small differences, you know, like can you stretch out a bit or can you stretch out fully, you know? Can yeah. you can can you sort of lie down? I mean, in this case, a, a, double, a double bed, that's fuck you money, isn't it? <laughs> well,
1: 18,000 quid return to New Zealand. I mean, it is fuck you money. But a double bed, I think you get... Like towelettes or something moist towelettes.
0: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of uh, patrons, just to welcome a new board member, I've got a new a new unofficial tier for the moment called the board. It's the board of what most people think. Neil Wakefield, who was previously a Patreon member, he's gone in at board level. Welcome to the board, sir. Somebody will be bringing you coffee very shortly. There'll be croissants and oranges. I mean, again, these are these superficial things, accoutrements of certain lifestyles that appeal to me. But you know, in a succession, right, and and I know not everyone listening to this would have seen this, but it's basically a very funny American show about big business. You know, it's basically the Murdochs, but re-represented. Whenever they have a board meeting and they have, like, fresh orange juice and coffee, I just... Does coffee and orange juice ever look as good as it does when it's on a a sort of like in in a boardroom? What what An is it? imported
1: table marble from Italy? No, oh. probably no. It probably doesn't. Uh, uh, I I certainly there was a certain I don't know vicarious pleasure from seeing that lifestyle when uh, when um, Brian Cox helicopters onto the yacht that they own yeah. for their meeting. That You thought, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that once in a while. But, uh, but this is
0: what they say about these billionaires and stuff, and they go, look at look at that prick in a suit and a baseball cap. I'm like, yeah, look at him. <laughs> he looks awesome. A suit <laughs> and a baseball cap. That would be me. That would be me. I'd be telling people, oh, fuck off, uh, which is a reference to the show. Which
1: though. is indeed a suit and and trainers as well, because they can do yes. that. And no socks. They can do that. One imagine I mean, Elon Musk, has never worn socks the last 15 years. Well I think maybe, maybe <laughs> that's the problem.
0: No, but he's he's out there, Stony. That's exactly this sort of wild shit that he does, Elon yeah, he Musk. He'll just, wear his shoes. He'll get, he goes, I'm coming in the office today and you might notice something different. Everyone's like, You nutter, uh, mate. You're not even wearing socks. He's like, Yeah, I'm the fucking Zola Bud of tech. Uh another <laughs> another Wow, you
1: excellent done. niche reference, that is.
0: Reference. Yeah, but no one's done the barefoot thing since. Uh, we have a few uh, patrons who I think whenever uh, some people just get kicked out randomly by Patreon patron, just to keep shit uh, interesting, uh, we've got Jim Hawthorne, who I'm pretty sure was a patron before. Jim Hawthorne is definitely uh, 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 an investigator. Jim Hawthorne, 80s ITV1 detective the, Jim, the Hawthorne Files, right? Or do you
1: have to guess what they do? Or you I just, just sort do you, of speculate. A
0: I, I speculate based on their names. It's sort of like a mini roast. That's what they get for their money. Jim Hawthorne is back on the case. And Oliver Mills. I mean, it's very hard to imagine that Oliver oh. Mills has had anything other than a cosseted lifestyle, right?
1: Yeah, I do, I, Oliver Mills doesn't scream manual work. It just doesn't, does it? It screams. <laughs> it's like, you know, when Robert Shaw grabs, uh, grabs uh, Richard Dreyfus's hands, you've got city hands before they get on the boat in Jaws. You get that with Oliver Mills. I'm oh, sorry, Oliver, you might be in like yeah, a, Yeah, um, Oliver
0: Mills would definitely have been the, the the chief Brody. You know that great scene in Jaws where they crush the beer cans in their hands? Or is, yeah. or is it Richard Dreyfus? And it's then he Richard gets Dreyfuss. a polystyrene yeah, <laughs> poly- he, he
1: gets a small cup and he crushes that as well. And his daddy paid for all his equipment that sorry oliver we've just got you pegged haven't
0: we really he probably does get pegged as well you know what that <laughs> lot I like um i <laughs> sorry uh, i i just don't know talking about manliness right my my missus has been away um for a few days i'm joining her and my son in spain very shortly and um it, it's really interesting there's a couple of things that, that i found odd is one that i've kept the house very clean and tidy but this is weird in my mind that will confound her when i think that's exactly what she wants but as I'm doing it, I'm going, ha ha! In your face, wife. See, She's not there
1: though. She's yeah, yeah. But but when she it. comes
0: back and it's really tidy, she'll go. That's what she wants. But why do I feel like I'm sort of got, like rubbing her nose in it? I don't, I I don't do know. You see- know,
1: I actually don't know. But I also should point out, it's your mess you're keeping clean and tidy. The trick is, obviously, is to keep other people's mess clean and tidy. So just go around and tidy the house generally. Not go, oh, I did that. I'll put that away. You see what I mean? There is a subtle difference.
0: There's a wild concept that you're floating there. <laughs> I, I think, given time, I could begin to get my head around it. So, you're sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's do this again. Clean up other people's other stuff. Other
1: people's and, mess. And... I know. Oh. I know. Well, have a little yeah. think about that.
0: You know. Well, if anyone's got any ideas on this this crazy out there idea that Ian's floating here that men could oh. do, uh, email him whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com.
1: Oliver right? is sitting there right now going, well, we have staff to do that. We understand. Oliver. That. Yeah. Of course, Oliver's got staff.
0: <laughs> Um, I, I probably had more of an Oliver weekend, though, because I... So with all these opportunities, so, you know, when you, your wife and son go away, it's happened often enough to know that probably the novelty of it won't last very long now. I used to used to think, oh, it'd be great, I'll have peace and quiet. It's probably a like half a day where that seems pretty cool. But what I chose to do with my time wasn't anywhere near as manly as what I'd hoped, right? So I... You're thinking poke an eye, you're thinking get drunk, you know, porn on the big telly, all the good stuff. <laughs> what did you do? I watched, I binge watched uh, a romantic drama called Normal People, which is a very well-known show on the BBC. Who Absolutely. are you anymore? I know. <laughs> Have you seen it? I mean, it's no. so no. fucking invested in well, this Well, great.
1: Show. Then, then uh, you did what you wanted to do, and that really is all that counts, isn't it? The fact that you had these sort of aspirational... Poker, poker nights. Really. I don't even play poker. I was and... going to say, why would you? Why would you think that way? Why would you think they had to be manly anyway? You could have been prancing about in uh, in her uh, clothes for a bit. Maybe you were. It doesn't I... matter.
0: Less manly, more very creepy and and disturbing, <laughs> well... especially the prancing bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're right, but I'm saying it's it's totally down to you. I know you asked me this beforehand, and I'm I'm not very good at downtime, to be honest with you. Um, I do a lot of pacing about when I'm on my own. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah, was... yeah, we were going to get to that, that. Yeah, so downtime is an interesting thing about what, what do you do with it when it comes? Because if you've been working at a certain level, what have, tends to happen is, is I romanticise the idea of having nothing to do, right? Because it's always the Valhalla that you work towards. If I could just get my diary clear, oh, I'd be so fucking happy.
1: But what do you do with it when it comes? Right, well, exactly. So I don't clear my diary. I just keep working. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you if we're, it, this is not therapy, but i essentially I'm running from a traumatic childhood and uh, yeah. so I just, I just keep going and I don't really, I can relax, you know, obviously right now the football season's not on. So I feel a bit bereft, but you know, athletics is all right, I suppose, but um, I'm not very good at relaxing.
0: Women's so, Euros, um, Stoney. Jesus the women, Christ. I, I, on, I, did watch the, progressive.
1: I did watch the court final the other day and it was absolutely fantastic, but uh, I, uh, I'm not, no, relaxing is not for me. I just want to keep keep going as much as possible. I listen to music. I can listen to music. But even if I'm listening to music, it's not really a passive thing. I don't I don't really have music on in the background. I will have music and I will be listening to it, dancing about. It's all very um, – I'm very engaged a lot of yeah, the time.
0: Yeah, I, I can't just – because what happens is when you really sort of slow down, I, I sort of hear the whistling in my ears, you know, like I become yeah. – like when you actually yeah. relax and you realise that those people – that can, or maybe who who can actually do that without substances? I think there
1: are people who can do it. Not everyone is like us, Jeff, as it turns out, sad as that may seem, or possibly better for them. But, um, yeah, there are people who like gardening and like, you know, hobbies. I I believe there are hobbies that people can do that they really like, basket weaving. My mum used to sew these... She used to have these tapestries of kittens. It was always kittens and she'd sew yeah. them and she'd sit there for hours sewing and she seemed happy with that. I can't, it's not for me. Kitten yeah. I mean, the geezer that just
0: come back from Glastonbury, I, I, did, I didn't think that kitten sewing was really
1: <laughs> well, massively on the uh, cards. No. And I, so, so it's interesting when you asked me about that downtime, what do you, what's my ideal use of downtime? um uh, my ideal use of downtime is to try and think of what else i can do that'll fill get the diary that. full <laughs> yeah but it'll fill the void that i don't have to hear my own voice going you're shit and worthless
0: <laughs> yeah but well, this is the point of the men's mental health section shows it's not actually to resolve anybody it's just to go you know that thing you feel other people feel like that yeah. too yeah. so stop trying stop trying to have downtime just keep keep going die younger just accept your fate what think. we are going to do the thank you and the fuck you now I, i've got you already done your fuck you but i've got one uh, yeah. have you got a thank you have you got a piece of gratitude there
1: i have got a piece of gratitude actually it is related to um uh last night's uh, tv debate um because mm. um uh, essentially my five-a-side football i played five-a-side football last night um and it, and, it, I, and I'm grateful to whoever scheduled it to coincide with the first half of the Tory leadership debate. <laughs> so I only had to watch the second half. But I honestly, it's, I played as well as I've played in about five years. It just all really? came together yesterday. My body basically did what I wanted it to do. Because you know how it is that I, I play a lot of five-a-side football. Like I play every yeah. Monday in what I call the Fat Jew game. <laughs> which is me and a number of other overweight Jewish men. And we chug about and it happens. It's not just Jews who do it. It's fat Greeks, fat Sikhs. There's all sorts all over the country playing. And uh, I play every Monday night. And, um, and it's it sort of, it, it, the thing about five-a-side football is that it's great, particularly for middle-aged people, because it teaches you disappointment and, and limitation, but yeah. there's a hint of magic every so often, every mm. so often, not, so most of the time you chug about and you're a bit shit and you think you're lean or messy and you're not, and you, and you still see things in your head like a 20 year old. So you go, Oh, I can get that ball. And your body mm. goes, no, you can't stop it. You're to yourself <laughs> earlier. But once in a while, once in a while, not that often, but enough to keep you interested, something beautiful and magical happens. You drop the shoulder, beat a couple of blokes, whack one in the bottom corner and everyone claps and goes, well done, Stony. That was great. And, um, uh, I like that. And it happened a bit last night. And I also, by the way, think it's a metaphor for life. I do. Because yeah. most of the time you chug about and it's a bit shit and mediocre, but once in a while, something beautiful and magical. Yeah. It. Once
0: you go, you get a slight piece of encouragement to to continue. Yes,
1: exactly. And that, and so, and and so I was grateful. Uh, I'm grateful that I can still play five-a-side football. Uh, and I'm grateful that uh, uh, it was scheduled, as I say. <laughs> so I didn't have to listen to the whole hour well, of uh, trust. you will be pleased to hear it. that. It,
0: very shortly, I'm going to drag you back to that Tory leadership debate, kicking <laughs> we'll and screaming that. to discuss we'll do it. That. Uh, my fuck you is, and this is where we, I think we might clash, right, is I know you love a festival and all that sort of business, yeah. so I I haven't barely been on site at festivals. And so I, was, I parked up at um, Latitude. Everyone's very nice, do you know what I mean? All the staff there are very nice. But then I started walking past the tents where people were camped, and I started to feel, feel uncomfortable. I don't, I don't like tents. I don't like that whole thing... They're all like different shapes and sizes, and all you know the people walking around in tie dye. Immediately, I was like, "This, this is not my place. This is not my place." These fucking tent dwellers walking around. Yeah, I start immediately started speculating on how little people had showered across a three day period. I, I got to say, mate, like as you know, politically, I've probably mellowed a bit in the last year and a half. It was the most conservative I felt since about 2016 i have to say well,
1: latitude will do that to a person i have to say <laughs> uh, latitude definitely will i'm not that keen i mean i did it and i did it years ago and it was it was fun i mean i i don't know is that what you want uniformity of tents i mean doesn't that make it a bit harder to find
0: it does and also it, it's a bit fascist isn't it when i'm sort of saying it, that what i want <laughs> what i want is order I want to look when I look when I was, uh, you know, I don't like to bring it up, but when I did, you know, was in Afghanistan and stuff like that, as you you yourself did, these sort of things. um, Yeah, you're right. The the tents were all the same and it was fucking hard to find which one you it was. Yeah,
1: but uh, you know, it looked tidy though, it it did. But there is a difference between the military and a music come comedy festival. But you know what? Fair enough. I get it. Um, I didn't, um, we didn't camp at Glastonbury, we we hired a mobile home and, and drove it right to the festival, <laughs> and then plugged it in. <laughs> so we, we it's not like we're doing it in, uh, I'm not saying, we're, we're not doing it in some massive American mobile home, but it's still a nice little thing. And we had a shower and a loo and a fridge. So that was okay. So I'm yeah, not Yeah, I mean it
0: is. Yeah, but, but I kind of chilled out and I had a walk around the festival and I did my comedy bit. And what was interesting, right? And this is slightly following up from um, the discussion with Sean um, last week about comedy. Is the, I think that the bookers of a festival like Latitude will sort of... they got their megastars, you know, like Russell Howard was there, Frankie Boyle was there, obviously smashed it. Uh, David O'Doherty was there, big festival favourite. And then they booked a sort of palette of, of, of other acts, you know, and a lot of acts, modern acts, they, they are driven by, like, personality and message, you know, that's a big part of it now. But my... So I think that when I looked at the audience, right, they looked quite right on and all this stuff. But you know what the audience sort of liked? Jokes. Yeah, because they always and like that's jokes. what, yeah. Because the thing is, it gives them a punctuation. It's really hard in a fucking tent to do expansive stories, you know, without being people being that close to you. And I sort of, it's, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because I get that they want to book a, a certain kind of a trendy acts for these sort of festivals, but I sort of also thought a comedy store type lineup. Right, the kind that you would get, you know, like people with serious club experience would absolutely kick the ass out of this. Yeah, because yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Of course they would. Of course they would. People like jokes, but I find the same. I did a corporate the weekend. That's why I was down in uh, in uh, Devon, and and they're all people in dinner suits in a big country house. They like jokes too. They Sweet like people thing. like jokes. Thank God for them.
0: Okay, right. Let's get into the politics. Oh God. Right, so I forgot. I forgot that the BBC uh, leadership debate was on last night between Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss. Uh, so it was a bit of a treat, really. You know, considering that I find politics to be a somewhere between sport and entertainment. It was like find out there was a T Twenty game on. I was like, "Fuck!" Oh yeah, I'll watch this. And it's a very strange start because they kind of zoomed in. So they had Rishi and had Rishi and Liz standing still. And they zoomed in. Now I'm going to say a lot of people criticising them for this. You'll know having worked in and around television that wasn't their choice, was it? No. That's not that's nice. an edit. That's a producer that's gone. What we think would be really nice, we'll get the jib, which is the overhead camera that's on the move, and you two just stand still. It's one of the most fucking awkward things in the world to do, is to stand stock still while a camera sort of moves from about five meters away to end up right in your face. Yeah. I don't understand. What are the options for them to do there? Just kind of dosey do or I don't know. Like Well, just the, options,
1: of... the options are for them to say, no, don't be ridiculous. I know what you're trying to do. You're adding a bit of gravitas and tension. But honestly, we'll do that. We've got an hour of talking about stuff. We'll do it then. So maybe. And you'd hope that the person who was hoping to be the next leader of the country will be able to say no to some wanker producer. But apparently <laughs> not.
0: But they must talk that... it Well, does it? To be honest. Well, they, I mean, just getting your thoughts kind of like backtracking a little bit coming coming up to this, what, have you, what sort of your general thoughts about the Tory leadership race been? Is there been... I mean, like, there is a tendency on the left to say, well, they're all awful. It's like a choice between getting punched in the face or kicked in the bollocks. I mean... Did, did you see anything that, that surprised you or, or anyone that was uh, impressed you even a little bit up oh to this point god all right i'm
1: gonna say this now i saw a hint of humanity in liz Truss a couple of times right genuine oh okay i, I it's not that i that i really agree with anything that she would say and mm. and i know uh, there was definitely times when i've thought that she was slightly unhinged not maybe pretty patel unhinged but certainly you know in the ballpark um but did I see much? No, I, I didn't really see much. I, I I find it hard because I I keep coming back to the fact that they they all worked for Boris Johnson. They all propped him up. They all put him in power in the first place. So mm. whatever they say, I have to view through that prism. Uh, also, the other thing is, as you well know, I'm not a member of the Conservative Party, so I don't actually get any say in in all this really. So so there's a certain a certain curiosity okay who who on who is our next prime minister what are they like but um whether it'll make a huge amount of difference i i don't know so so i have a sort of detached interest in the whole thing um mm. i don't think either of them are terrible people i mean i really don't think either of them are terrible people but uh i don't think things will change very much for me personally and for the country uh uh the country as a, a um, as a whole but um Hey, I might be wrong. If if Liz Truss adopts this, this uh, economist principles and we end up with interest rates at like 10% by the end of the year, maybe you can get me back on and go, what do you know? But I, I'm not well, a she- fan of either of them, let me tell you.
0: I got some blowback from the, the last episode for, I got a couple of from the patrons about things I'd said about the candidates. So first up, my friend Julia, she pointed out, because I pointed out that, that Liz Truss was dressing like Thatcher. And, you know, the, the, the response is, and, it, you know, it's a reasonable response, is that this is only something that women get, you know, men don't get it the same. I It is I think that,
1: they, they, that Well,
0: is so there's two things. One is that the choices that men can make are so limited, really. What colour shirt? It's not, not what kind of shirt. It's just a shirt with a collar. It's the same thing. What kind of tie or no tie? And blazers are roughly... They're almost always dark. So the, the scope for men to make political choices about what they wear is quite limited the thing with Liz Truss is it was so specifically like thatcher i think that's then in the realms of a political choice right so you I don't think know
1: that, that though do you you don't i know. mean there's
0: one photo there's one in particular where it. she's the literal combo you think the bow, I the I, bow yeah the yeah. bow I, I think that that is and that is the one that kind of made me think it more so it's less about really clothes and about i see that uh, as a political choice Right, you're, you're I think that's, to...
1: that's perfectly justifiable. And what did your friend Julia say about that?
0: Well, no, no, I'm coming back to Julia live. And if Julia's got a response to that, I'd be interested to know. The uh, the other thing is about uh, Rishi Sunak. I was saying that he was too young. Uh, sorry, that Kemi Badenoch was too young. And it was pointed out to me that Kemi Badenoch and Rishi are the same age. Well, look, Kemi Badenoch, clearly, you know, she's clearly looking better for it <laughs> than if they're both 42. And also, when I say young, I mean, I suppose... She's got less experience. And some people think that that would be a merit, right, that she could come in from the outside. I do just think that the rest of the country won't have heard of Kemi Badenoch, And if all of a sudden she's Prime Minister, despite having no fucking profile at all, internationally, people would think that would be a really maverick move, wouldn't it? It No matter how exciting you find somebody's politically sort of clear-headed thinking it would be a huge decision but then
1: but then that is an argument to have liz i mean liz Truss and rishi sunak are i guess the most experienced of the Tory candidates when they are i mean rishi sunak hasn't been in parliament that long has he as
0: no he I was know. chief secretary to the treasury before that um i mean he he last night he started really badly i mean if you would have enjoyed it you know on one level because there, there is this accusation that he's basically like will from the in between us and once you've heard that what's <laughs> he, seriously listen to him speak he literally is that he's, he's a not kind a of natural
1: a, communicator isn't
0: Well when he calmed fair. down he wasn't he wasn't so bad But at the beginning he someone needed to fucking spike him with valium because he was dancing about oh he went and, for it
1: didn't he he went he, really he was went mansplaining for, quite a bit wasn't he i mean that's what man
0: interrupting man interrupting is that i've never it, heard that one did I you make know. that I one just, up i just made okay. that up because i think it was more the interruptions than the splaining but he, he, he i remember when i did gcse's there was this one dickhead in my year that would kind of come in and go uh how much revisions everybody done uh what well, that's not enough i've done loads i'll tell you some stuff i know and he was because of his nerves he wanted to tell everybody everything he knew about GCSE history before the exam. <laughs> you think soon has got a bit of that. He had a bit of that going on. Yeah. And then, you know, he didn't let Liz Truss get going. And the problem was, because he was speaking so fast, right? He was like a podcast you'd accidentally put on double speed. Liz Truss was speaking weirdly slow, but it had the net effect of making Liz Truss seem like she had gravitas.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. I I don't know if you know this, I don't know if you know this, but do you know that Rishi Sunak uh, worked in a chemist shop? Do you know that? Have you heard that hey, before?
0: He I worked in his parents'
1: d- chemist shop. I don't know if you've ever heard that.
0: Next thing you'll be telling me, is Sadiq Khan is the son of a bus driver. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Did Sadiq Khan's dad have a cushion to sit on? <laughs> do
0: you think? Well, you know what's funny is that they obviously lean into these narratives because they think that they have appeal. But when you go... Like with Rishi when he's going you know my 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 mum was a you know a pharmacist, you go, well, that's an all right job
1: like <laughs> it's an all right job, but it's not it doesn't mean you're going to be part of the super rich I mean, I do get no. what he's doing, but his parents script and say, but i saw a I saw a was it a channel four uh piece about Rishi sunak, so you can imagine mm. which way it went, but mm. there was a moment when they went from working in a pharmacist. And they suddenly mentioned a hedge fund, and I thought, where did that come from? <laughs> what yeah, there? Well, yeah you're, that's a really good observation. It did pop up suddenly. You went, yeah. "Well, okay, that that would that would certainly help with the wealth a little bit." Um, I mean, what do you think of this whole idea that that uh, he can't relate to people because he's worth, or his wife particularly, is worth three quarters of a billion quid? That, I mean, I know. Don't I mean, Tony Benn, a hero of the left, was, yeah. was, was was very posh and had money, as far as I know. Yeah. And 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 he's a hero of the left. So I, I don't know if it's completely true, um, but Liz Truss, of course, went to a comprehensive, as she told us on about 14 occasions last night.
0: Well, there was this funny thing that she kept on talking about how hard life was then, and people keep pointing out that all of the stories she was telling were under conservative Yeah, role. yeah, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> the, the conservative have been doing an amazing Gerald Ratner's on their own brand throughout <laughs> his leadership.
1: I am a Labour supporter. I'm not massively uh, convinced by Keir Starmer. And also, by the way, he is also inexperienced. He's only been an MP since 2017. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I mean, he's got life experience, you know, a barrister. <laughs> What's more normal than that? <laughs> but um, but um, uh, and people were complaining, well, hang on a minute, the Tory party get an hour of free, free airtime on the BBC, on the national broadcaster. Yeah. But as I think a number of people have pointed out, Really, Labour got the best advert last night, didn't they? When you mm. watched those two at each other and you thought, oh... I'm well, the not whole sure process like
0: of the debates there have been too many debates. But steiner has been getting a bit of heat this morning, which we will come back to. I mean, you mentioned the wealth thing with Rishi there. I, I agree. I just I don't care. I don't care if his suit costs three, three grand. Sorry,
1: can we just... Can we not call him Rishi... Would that be? I think. Can we call them Truss and Sunak? No.
0: no. Um, so you're falling into my trap here. This is lefties get so annoyed about the first name thing. I'm going all out now. It's only first names.
1: Well, okay. I I just don't think it's helpful because when no, we no because it, it humanizes it them. Johnson, it humanizes <laughs> them and it and it's a nickname. And I don't give nicknames. You know, it's nice. His name. Uh, I had, well, first of all, Boris Johnson's name is Alexander, if we can get it right. I know everyone yeah. called him Boris Johnson, but it was Alexander. But I'm saying I don't give nicknames to, to hate figures. You know, I mean, I don't want to say <laughs> Hitler because that's too obvious, but you know what I mean. I never old uh, a- A.H. I never, you know, that I don't think I it's a good thing. It. it humanizes them. Yeah, I know, I, I know, I'm really not what, comparing is... Adolf Hitler to Boris Johnson or <laughs> Boris Johnson. I'm not, but I'm saying. That I don't think it's helpful politically because I think it it it, it trivialises. I'm actually making a serious point now. Yeah. I don't. Please call him Sunak and Truss and Johnson. No, <laughs> i
0: never. That's Liz. That's Liz to me. Rishi, <laughs> Kemi, Penny, See? the gang, Tom.
1: It <laughs> 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 it's a lot like mates you go down the pub
0: with. That's not helpful. That's the point. And, and also, I just do it because of how much it winds people up. There are people out there that literally think that part of the reason Boris Johnson was Prime Minister was because people called him Boris.
1: Not part of think... the reason. A big part of the reason. A big it part.
0: It be. It, it was cannot the fact be. that
1: they called him Boris and the fact that he was good on I Got news for you. That's why he got elected, because it certainly wasn't for his seriousness of purpose. Or well, his that, is,
0: that is that is a fair point you know we so i just it feels weird calling him sunak i don't know why but all right we'll try it for so sunak um, with with his suits right so
1: he's nice going to get beach. this sh-
0: nice yeah suits. very nice suits and he's going to get this shit about his wealth i say lean into it own it all right the kids like a bit of aspirational stuff especially on instagram just go yeah bitch yeah, my, my my suit does cost three grand. It's a fucking good suit. I, I was saying last night that he should actually do, like, an exaggerated stretch of the arms just to reveal the Rolex as well. I saw that, yeah. Just go the, that. go the whole way because, Bit yeah, I don't... Yeah, just there's nothing wrong with being rich. And equally, Liz, Liz, sorry, Elizabeth Trust with her earrings, you have to four pounds four pound 50 (laughs) yeah and then again just go yeah that's me i love a bargain just that she should that should be a little catchphrase liz oh i love a bargain trust you know what that
1: would work i'm telling you everyone loves a bargain bargain. they genuinely do i bet if she's on ebay four hours a day you go okay good good on you yeah i'm not she's like us she but essentially (laughs) she's like us but then sunak being very very rich And and like you say, going yeah, I'm wearing a three thousand quid suit. My wife's a billionaire. Her dad's even richer than her. Why shouldn't I wear? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you wear a suit? That doesn't. I want you to have
0: these things too. He should go on cribs. He should go on cribs (laughs) and just show off his fucking loafers. I
1: don't see why not. I don't. I actually, I agree with you. It doesn't really bother me that much. I think. I think there are rich people out there. Who, who have empathy, and maybe Rishi Sunak is one of them, really. But but I think Rich there's other issues. Rishi. I, I call him Rich Rishi? No, no. Richie? You, des- <laughs> you desperately use the nickname because it was Dishy Rishi, wasn't it? And there's, there's stuff you can do with Rishi, whereas you can't do much with Sunak. That's the point. Although it does actually, my autocorrect keeps changing it to Sunk. So I but think doesn't
0: it... But doesn't it sort of mean you you like calling him Sunak because you actually think that doesn't sound as good? I call him Rishi because I think it does sound as good. So these are, these are political choices. There's no if, if we have to call them all by their both their names, it is weird. Uh, you're right names, in a way. It,
1: surnames. It, it is surname. weird
0: that the left wing though. You go Corbyn, Starmer, Blair. Right? Yes. Yes. Boris, Theresa.
1: That's a level of disrespect <laughs> towards politicians, which I think is is healthy. As opposed to, oh, Boris, Rishi. I mean, these are not your friends, Jeff. They hate you and everything you stand for. Not everything you stand for, everything I stand for.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I look. I, I mean, it's a weird thing with voting, how I voted is that I voted for them. I couldn't really see myself having a pint with any of them. Just moving on to, to Starmer. So I, I sort of got a bit amused this week. Um, Kia, he... you mean Kia? Mean... Kia, sorry, Kia. <laughs> On Keir Starmer, <laughs> Sir Keith. Um, he, he has, he's realised that with the Tories essentially making pledges, right? So there's one, the one hand is the shit show of them arguing, but on the other hand, they are getting to say, oh, I'll do this good thing or I'll do this principle thing. So he's finally had to start talking about what he'd do if he was in, in, in power. And and it's been commented on, you know, a lot by people actually on the hard left that, that his main explanation for what he's going to do is he's just going to sort it out. Like he just oh, I will sort it. I will, we'll, we'll get it done. We'll sort it out. He just like there's no detail at all. He's like we'll fix the economy. We'll fix yeah. this. We'll fix that. And and I just I just thought it is, it's quite funny. Like when he's pushed on detail. Other than we're going to sort it out. We're going to we're going to fix Brexit. We're going to he. It's a lot of pie in the sky stuff, really. And and furthermore, in the round of interviews this morning, we're recording this on the Tuesday. Um, he's basically been pushed on his left-wing pledges that he made when he was leader. And, and I don't know if he was deliberately trolling the left, but he, in the course of one morning, he's quoted Blair, he said about um, public rail ownership, he's like, look, we're not going to make it more private than it is now, which is no fucking pledge at all. And on public uh, pay restraint, he's essentially sort of echoed what the Tories are doing. So I think he's he's trolling the left to a point that I might actually get him on the podcast. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, isn't the idea that he doesn't um, give away any any campaign pledges and then the Tory party will then maybe nick them in the next election? So he's being mm. deliberately vague. Uh, yes, we'll sort things out. And, uh, and then it comes down to whether you trust him to sort things out, essentially, rather than making promises based on, well, I mean, let's be fair, if he gets the economy in two years' time, how, who knows how much worse it might be? And at that mm. point all those pledges that he made about doing this or doing that he won't be able to do because he can't afford it unless he raises taxes so <clears throat> i don't mind a bit of vague right now to be honest with you i i, I as someone who wants to see the labor party win the next election just because i think it's time um i would rather just watch the Tory party have an endless leadership contest <laughs> until
0: but that's the like, point though isn't it they won't at some point they'll they'll elect someone at some point inflation will might come down. At some point, you know, there might be a kick-on in growth if we if we do sort of somehow sort out some of these administrative problems, right? So at that point, it, the, the, the tide might turn a little bit and Labour will have spent a long time not really standing um, for much. And at that point, maybe he will come up with policies. I mean, look, I have
1: no particular faith that Keir Star will make a great Prime Minister. I just think he'd be better than anyone currently on the Conservative side. Is my... I'm not even, I don't even know if it's a particularly strong feeling. I just think it's hmm. time Time for something different,
0: is what that, i Don't doubt that, that. Time that for would
1: something.
0: Be, <laughs> time, that could be the slogan, couldn't it? Time for something. Time for,
1: no, time for something else. Something else. Something if you, else. you had enough <laughs> of this lot, try this lot. See how that goes. But there, One, isn't listen, that the, it's the not point,
0: inspiring. though? That he that he has to keep his own electoral coalition together, and is there a point? You know what the left are like. When they vote, they want to feel good about themselves. That's a lot of their politics is about is about reinforcing the fact that they're wonderful human beings based on a cross they put on a piece of paper somewhere. So that he, oh my so God, that he,
1: so cynical. Yeah, some would accurate, say I uh, Realistic.
0: I get it. Yes, but but so so does there come a point where people, younger people, more progressive people, just go. You know, I f- fuck this guy. Like, like all these pledges that he made to us. Like, I believe in the green movement. I'm going to vote green. Or, or the Lib Dems are a bit more radical in what they do in, in relation to the EU. I, you know what? He he can't just have my vote for nothing.
1: And that and that will result in another Tory government and another five years of whatever they're going to do to us. So, uh, I would say to the left of the party, suck it up. Uh, it, it, you're not another slogan pie, you're not so, that... <laughs> suck it up it's time for something different that would something be a else. great something else that would be a great political
0: slogan <laughs> suck it up it's time, it's time else. it should Starman. be on a, it,
1: I see it on a banner you know what do we want? Something else.
0: <laughs> Who do we want it with? Probably Starmer. Probably Starmer. But, you know.
1: Yeah. But these are the choices you make. I'm I'm talking, I mean, you're talking about the left not making pragmatic choices. I'm talking about a pragmatic choice really at this point. Mm. And I think, I think the left had a go and obviously Brexit got in the way and Corbyn, he had his faults for all sorts of reasons. Um, but right now, the, the Labour Party is is held by the centre left, I guess one would say, and let's see yeah. how they get on. But the electoral math is it electoral maths in this country or is it still electoral math? I don't know. Do, I think, we, do we use it?
0: It's brilliant, mate. Come on.
1: Okay. Well, it's maths. electoral maths. Yeah. Uh, do you know, I did a gig once where an American comic said math and the entire crowd went <"S-> <laughs> 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 so fantastic. Um, but the electoral what? maths, Favors the Tory Party, right? Yeah. So you, you, so I, I think there should be a coalition between the Labour and the, between Labour and the Lib Dems. I think now it's time for pragmatic choices. And uh, and and, let me say this. And I'm, i don't know how many uh, members of the Labour left listen to this podcast, but they're not the most pragmatic, are they? What most people think.
0: Um, I've just got a couple of questions from the board here. So this is a new a uh, a, a VIP. Well, I'll have to say that again. Fuck, that's annoying. Uh, so this is—I've got a couple of questions from the board now. Questions from the board. This is a, a, a benefit of being a board member. Here is when we discuss politics, uh, the guys are, are free to put urgent questions to the board. I'm trying to make this feel like a real business thing, and I've got a few here that we'll get through a couple of them if we can. Uh, this is from James. Is the, the convention in British politics is that our leaders go cavalier roundhead cavalier, um, or is, is is the other one nerd jock nerd?
1: I mean that that uh, works as well. He does, yeah.
0: Um, so he says, if you think if you think back to Thatcher was a jock, right? Uh, Major was a nerd, Blair was a jock, Brown was a nerd, um, Cameron was, Cameron a, was jock. a jock, yeah. I think he was. I think he was. Theresa was a nerd,
1: yeah, and Boris Johnson was definitely a jock. Wow, yeah, this
0: really works. That so, might the work poem... actually. Great question from the board. So the polls are suggesting that Tory members want trust. She's clearly of cavalier stock or, or, or jock stock. I, I think she might be a bit of both, actually, or neither. That's where she may break the cycle here. Are we ready for double cavalier?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Rishi Sunak is definitely a nerd, right? I think we can uh, say that yeah, yeah. without any fear of equivocation. Yeah. Um well, if you want to keep the cycle going, and if we agree with the, with, if you agree with myself and Jeff's analysis of uh, where the prime ministers have been in the last 40 years, then it has to be Rishi Sunak next in yeah. order to keep it going. But, yeah, um, awesome. uh, I, what, what is this, uh, board member saying that it is, is this, uh, are we a, ready
0: for, for double, ca- so he sees trust as a cavalier or a jock. Yes. So he's like, are we ready for double cavalier?
1: Um, well, it's gone so well so far, hasn't it? Yeah,
0: fucking. <laughs> That's it. There's the Tories. So they're going to lose the next election. They might as well have fun. Do you think really. they will?
1: I'm not so sure, you know. No, I'm I, really don't, I don't not know. So sure.
0: No, I, I think that. I think that there is a a chance, just because of what's happening economically, might have played out. I mean, what happened in 97, though, people often forget this, was in 97, uh, the Tories had actually got inflation under control. Major and uh, Ken Clark had done a good job with the economy, and and everything was going well. Britpop was happening culturally. Everything was good, but there was the sleaze. So it's a rare occasion when people would say, it's the economy, stupid. In 97, it wasn't the economy. It's just that the, the Labour movement had this, this sort of real big beast feel about it with Blair, Brown, Mandelson. Yeah, I just don't feel that's happening at the moment. No, that's
1: <laughs> the point. That's I mean, back in 97, I mean, I remember in 92 when Basildon came up on the election night, the first result, and everyone yeah. went, oh, no, we've got another five years of this. And honestly, from that moment on, it felt like a countdown to when – The country could finally get rid of them and Because 18 years definitely felt like too much 13 Mm. obviously didn't feel like quite enough I get a similar feeling now The difference is as you say That Keir Starmer doesn't have one billionth Of Tony Blair's charisma Or political now
0: The force is not He might just win by default It would be sort of hilarious After all these uh, Labour tearing themselves apart Over what they stand for they just sort of win by default, like by disqualification. Go on, you advocate. Go on. <laughs> yeah, see how you yeah. get on. Racket That's abuse. the what matches awarded uh, to Keir Starmer.
1: Oh, I'm Prime uh, Minister. Yeah. That could happen. Um so I I yeah, I think I don't know if we'll break the cycle. I mean, Liz Truss is we're gonna go for double jock, as you say, or double mm. was it cavalier. Cavalier. It? Yeah. Cavalier, yeah. And um well, we'll see how that turns out. Uh she may only get a couple of years, so.
0: What I mean in, in office or in I mean, office. In office. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. No, I'm saying.
1: not saying that some <laughs> assassin's gonna be put. Yeah, nothing like that.
0: I'm just saying. Got another question here from Steve from the board. Uh he says, I'm sure you're gonna cover this anyway, but are the BBC fit to run a leadership debate seeming... That, uh, they have no idea what questions the people of our country actually want answered. I mean, there was definitely a feel last night, like what Chris Mason did, the chief political editor for the BBC. He sort of brought up the earring suit thing and said, it Oh, it's this, friv- this frivolous thing that's been happening. And, you know, like people say it's a bit stupid and that. But, but what do you reckon? I'm like, No, mate. So you don't get both sides of that. So you're quoting the Dean Doris, but you're essentially doing the same thing she's doing, yes. which is fanning the flames. And actually, it really turned the debate a bit because both Sunak and trust. Am I doing it right? It doesn't well, so come you... out naturally, though,
1: does <laughs> it? It doesn't, right. Rishi
0: and Liz, right, <laughs> they, they they actually brought them together a bit. It got the first round of applause because I think people can see that it's frivolous. There was no questions in the debate about uh, migration. There was none about um, education. It was, a lot of it was, uh, well, you served with Boris, you know, and I think that those questions have actually been answered in the previous debate. So I, I think the, the structure of that debate, I think actually having conservative voters there, that was refreshing, because normally, you know, you you can see the militant people in the room, you know, the young women with with bandanas <laughs> fucking loads of bracelets waiting to spit at the Tory. I say this having recently done a question sure. time in Hackney. Oh, right.
1: Oh, you sort of, I was going to say you saw them at latitude, but okay, fair enough. Yeah, you're yeah right. they follow me around now. You're right what you said. No, no mention of uh, uh, water companies dumping raw sewage into rivers, 10-hour yeah. waits for ambulances and NHS. Um, yeah. There were big gaps and we could have done with our earrings and three thousand pound suits genuinely but I, whether that means the bbc are not fit to do it I, I actually think chris mason and faisal islam are good uh political commentators and they know what they're talking about i, I think there are going to be one or two wrong turns but i think we've got a general idea of what the candidates thought
0: now and and actually because it was a tory audience the fact that they were completely silent for the first half hour, that in a way was more meaningful than the question time thing of having somebody tutting or you're ostentatiously shaking their head for three minutes.
1: Exactly. Because people are going for, then they're going for the rounds of applause, aren't they? Whereas this time they weren't really doing that. Although, although the woman who said uh, they asked her at the end, who do you want? And she said, I just want someone I can trust. And Hmm. I thought, you voted for Boris Johnson. You I don't yeah. think you get to say that. I genuinely <laughs> lost it in the lounge at home with my both my children looking at me, going, Dad, you all <laughs> right? Well, she voted for Johnson. I'm up on my feet at that point, which is why I try not to watch too much of it because
0: it just gets this me. Is why, this is why you should never be in the question time audience. You'd be you'd be that guy shaking his head, remonstrating, and then you'd be a, a viral sensation the following day. But they go, this guy is all of us, you know, when they do that kind of thing.
1: I'll take that. I'll take that. I might are... be able to sell some tour tickets off the back of it. That's exactly where I need to be. Get me well, in the audience on... next time we're on are Je- on, uh, Jeff. Say something controversial. I'll shake my head and then, and then we'll see if we can get it going.
0: <laughs> well, on that note, God, we have spoke about politics uh, a lot, but I think there was a lot to talk about. Let's let talk briefly about what you've got coming up. So speaking about tour tickets, uh, the Edinburgh Fringe, you're doing a full run this year. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm going to the Edinburgh Fringe for the first time in 14 years. The last time I went to the Edinburgh Fringe... Gordon Brown was Prime Minister.
0: Fucking hell. Yeah. Was that 2008?
1: 2008. Oh, by the way, one other thing I wanted to mention before I talk about that. Yeah. We, are, we are recording this the day before the 10th anniversary of the Olympic opening ceremony. 2012 Olympic opening ceremony, which I believe may well be the high point of the entire 21st century for this See, country. See, this is,
0: this is the centrist dad thing. You, you guys and the Olympic opening ceremony. I don't know what it is. You just feel like me. this fucking... It, it this Halla,
1: it's honestly. I was sat in a tent, I was at a festival then, I was at festival with the kids yeah. and my missus. And we sat in a tent, and when the queen turned around, everybody cheered. So we still have that patriotic thing, but it was Danny Boyle spoke for all of us.
0: Except, did for he? Our- I, I was, I was, I was gigging in what would be called predominantly red wall places at the time. I have to admit, it wasn't just that they weren't into the Olympics, it was downright cynicism about it. So I I do think it is it is weird that Olympic opening ceremony the what it represents in people's minds like a time when actually everything was fine it was all good then you know That's when sort of thing, yeah yeah those nurses were doing formation dances with fucking trolleys <laughs> every. <Everything. laughs>
1: Ed Branner <laughs> was in charge. That's that, we yeah, I like
0: to. that. The industrial revolution stuff. I was into that.
1: Yeah, no, it was. Listen, I anyway. That's by the by. Uh, I, yeah. I I did enjoy it, but ten year anniversary. But yes, I am going back to Edinburgh. Um, and I just I fancied doing a bit longer. Uh, I fancied, you know, I I turn up for club sets and I can do them. Uh, I don't want to say standing on my head, but, you know, it doesn't take a lot of it's preparation. It's fair, you could, I think. I, yeah, could, yeah. I can't actually stand on my head. I mean, but
0: that actually would get you a good review of the Edinburgh it, Fringe if you did the whole it show. It would, you know.
1: although I'm not sure how you'd set the mic stand up, to be honest. To, to, <laughs> but anyway, that's just logistics. I'm sure that can be sorted out. But I'm going to, because I wanted, it's a longer form uh, thing, doing an hour of stand up. And um, I, I was going to go back in 2020, actually. I was going to do a show called Typical Jew which is a, a a a heckle I got.
0: Yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, you can do that title.
1: <laughs> I, I can, yeah. But that show has now passed. Uh, uh, there were one or two jokes about Jeremy Corbyn, I'll be totally honest with you, but that's gone yeah. now, that moment. Uh, but this show is called Ian Stone, Writer of Wrongs. And it's um essentially, I don't want to give too much away, but essentially um, it's about me. I'm trying to sort of find happiness because it, mm. it, my default setting is not that. And I thought it would be uh, nice to try and explore that a little bit. Um, so I'm going to talk about that for an hour. And it's on the free fringe as well, which is something I've never done before. Um, mm. And I love the whole ethos of the free fringe. You know, you essentially go, come in, come in. Here's mm. the show. Here it is. I'm giving it to you for nothing. And at the end of it, you go, actually, you know, when I said I'm giving it to you for nothing, I lied. I want you yeah. to give me money. But you give them the show first. And that's the beauty of it. You give them the show and then they pay yeah. what, well, what it's worth, hopefully.
0: And what they can afford. Uh, you know? Well,
1: you know what? I'd like them to stretch their finances a little bit. I know there's a cost of living crisis out there. I know it's tough for people, but... Uh, no,
0: it is it's great. I mean, people get get great audiences uh, on the Free Fringe and you get great acts doing it. And I would just say, like, if, you, if you're up at the Edinburgh Fringe and you'll, you'll see some funky out there stuff. Do you know what I mean? You'll see some interpretive fucking dance and stuff but if you want a, an hour of comedy that's absolutely going to deliver go and see Ian well speaking of people of doing something completely for free but also for money um, I should uh, I should mention uh, we've got a few more new patrons this week and some of the craziest names I think we've ever had Luke Le Cerf that cannot Luke be a Le fucking Bruno. Luke Le Surf. right I'm going to read them all and then I'm going to explain how I think that they're all basically they all know each other Sinbad Wilmot right uh, and Sven Grieve these all sound like DJs who are brilliant DJs individually, but collectively like the Swedish house mafia. We are Lugla surf Sinbad Wilmot and Sven Grieve. We are the house monsters. And then the confetti cannons go off. These can't be fucking real people, can they?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't think... Luke Le really. Luke Le is a great name. I mean, I I'd, 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 I, personally would love to be called Luke surf wouldn't you? I mean, you could have so much fun with that name. I would have thought.
0: L- Luke LeSerf, I reckon he's the DJ that actually does the mixing, whereas Sinbad Wilmot, he's standing on the fucking decks with like uh, air horns the whole time. He never actually does anything, he's off his face.
1: I would have said security. <laughs>
0: Sin- Sinbad wears a fucking good. And then Sven Greve is kind of like the Moby type, the specky little geezer, uh, just creating the beats. But, uh, but listen, uh, thank you for your support. All of your support, all of the Patreon input uh, makes it, keeps it weekly and ad-free. And like I say, do go and see uh, Ian at the Fringe. Right, we're just going to close the show out uh, with one or two letters if we have the time. We've got two. I'd like to do both of these if, you, if yeah, you've yeah, got yeah, time. Yeah, I've got time. Uh, um, so, hi, Jeff. Just got back from the Yorkshire Dales. The final day got me wondering if my partner's behaviour is what most people do or if it's just her. We rented a lovely cottage from Airbnb, and on the morning we left, my partner got up early to tidy the property from top to bottom. Not just stripping the beds and putting rubbish in bins, but pretty much a full clean of the bathroom and kitchen, sweeping the floors, emptying all the bins, etc. The place was immaculate, and we did, of course, also pay a clean cleaning fee with the airbnb rentable my partner is not ocd on any other issues in day-to-day life so it's not a medical issue is this normal do any of your listeners do the same i mean one of the interesting things now about women's relationship with cleaning right is that there are some women obviously you know some probably men still on balance don't do as much housework but a lot of women just into it a lot of women are oh, it's a thing is that what you, know, you think is that what you to yeah. yourself? Well, it's like Monica from Friends, isn't it? Like she, she, she was very I never watched
1: Friends, sorry. right?
0: So Monica's character was all based around that. Her, her mum wasn't like that. She just herself become a bit of a clean freak. And if you think about it, even before the pandemic, uh, you know, anti back hand wipes and all, you know, disposable floor wipes. The the sort of clean industry had already been getting its claws into women and and sort of making them more obsessive. So I wonder if it is if it's just a different. Why did she do why do you think she did that Ian? Well, why I find, do you think I, she went, I absolutely find it
1: strange. My missus will also tidy up. I mean, we don't have a cleaner, but if we did have a cleaner, I mean I'm I'm tempted to hire a cleaner just so that my missus would then tidy up and then I'd cancel the cleaner
0: because <laughs> she would do that. A ghost cleaner. <laughs> a ghost, cleaner. <laughs> a ghost
1: cleaner. Oh yeah, cleaner's coming. Come on, get on with yeah. it. Um uh yeah, I don't know why she did that. I I mean, I do what were are you doing say, in the
0: property? I mean, what kind of shit was up the walls here? This is what I this is what I want to know, actually. I'm starting to get suspicious oh, of what kind of thing you had going on here. We
1: have no, there's a lot of stuff here. We've been living here. No, a while. I don't mean
0: you, man. I oh, mean the guy that wrote the letter, oh, James Bowley.
1: I mean, I have to say, when I'm in a hotel room, I don't leave stuff on the floor. I mean, I you mm. know, if I if I chuck. Let's say I've got some fruit and I chuck the pip at the bin and it misses. I won't just leave it on the floor for the cleaner to pick up. Obviously, the cleaner no. would pick it up. I'll put it in the bin. I'll I'll leave the towels in the uh, in the bath at the end. I don't know. I, I I suppose I do tidy up a little bit before I leave. Um, I know they're going to have to change the bedding. Uh, Although I'm told in some hotels they don't do that. (laughs) Somebody who worked in hotels said, no, we never, yeah, nah. Unless there were visible stains on the bedding.
0: The first thing I do, and this was after an experience in Jakarta, I was doing a gig there and um, I got into the bed and it was really late. And I was like, has this been smelt before? And, and yeah, I thought, oh, I'll do I just want to go to sleep. I'm going to, I'm going to rough it out. And I never do that. So now every single... This must look mental if I was on CTTV. Every single hotel room I go into, before I've even put my bags down, I go over to the bed and lift up the kind of top bit of the sheet and I run my nose all the way along it like I'm doing a massive line of cotton. And um, I smell the whole thing because I think if this room hasn't been clean, I need to sort it out immediately. That's yeah. a little... That's a little travel hack. Don't wait. Don't get your shit down. Do you know what I mean? Toothp- toothbrush in the bathroom. Just go and have a good old lungful of whatever manky old like speech is. I, li- I like this thinking. I might do that myself. Just one, this is a dilemma. I, I like getting these. These are these are I'd like more of these if possible. What most people think uk at gmail.com. This is from Fred. Jeff, I'm an Uber driver. Had a guy in my car earlier in the week who lost over 10k at a casino. Wow. Uh, was weeping as he didn't know what to say to his wife. Said he had two options, come clean and hope the honesty approach works or deny and lie. Wanted my advice. I said he should leave the country that night. (laughs) Go to North Cyprus. Uh, I never found out what he did. From the size of his house, I don't think he's the kind of guy who could afford to just drop 10K. What would you tell him to do? I mean, please tell me, Fred, that this isn't just you asking for advice here, that this isn't a cover. It does sound like that. I mean, I... Well, if there's one thing about women is they normally work stuff out. I mean, that's one thing I've sort of picked up on in, in the end. So the question isn't whether or not you lie, but it's the question of when you want to be caught. Now, if you want to be caught in about a year and a half, fine. Lie about it. But you, ugh, 10 grand. It's a lot of money. It's a hell of a mm. lot of money. And, and like you say, if
1: it doesn't look like he could lose it, um you're gonna get caught aren't you at some point you know have yeah. you noticed have you been feeding the children <laughs> <Do> you know <laughs> no I, I i i just um i thought you'd done the shopping i think at some point you're gonna get found well, why
0: out. why are we why are we eating stuff out of the compost yeah all of again. that all of that yeah.
1: so I, I think you're gonna get found out so i would have thought come clean but um more than that Oh, um, you've got a gambling problem, <laughs> so maybe uh, get yeah. that sort. I don't as think well. it's
0: gonna be. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily gonna be uh, the 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 last time. I mean, the other thing is, is if there's kind of repossessions from the house as well. It's like. So, baby, are you are you giving away more of our stuff on Gumtree again? Yeah, because uh, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. to have all these people taking TV sets out of our house. All yeah. have the same outfit. This is a very sad
1: story, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I mean,
0: I might I might edit it out. It's it's, it's a bit grim. We well, might. We it might is a little it. bit
1: grim, but I think if you come home crying and then she says, "What's wrong?" and you go, "Nothing," <laughs> then she might find out as well.
0: Um, listen, Ian Stone. Thanks so much for coming back on the show again. Just to reiterate, you got to get yourself to see uh, Ian at the fringe, and don't be a tight bastard uh, afterwards with the buckets. You know what I mean? You see these, you see these people putting in fucking foreign exchange. Although you know, foreign currency might well be worth more uh, by the time that the fringe actually happens. So just remind us again, Ian, uh, quickly where you are. And, and four o'clock. Four o'clock every
1: day except the fifteenth at the Counting House Ballroom which is on West Nicholson Street and uh, uh, come and say hello.
0: It will be funny. People like
1: jokes.